0: Welcome back to a Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Hebrews chapter 7. It reads, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we are drawn near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn, and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. As we jump in here to chapter 7 of Hebrews, there's clearly a lot that's going on. This is one of the larger chapters here in this book so far, and it has a lot of information about a relatively small part of the Scriptures. And so when we look back at Melchizedek and we look back at his initial reading for us, we can find him in Genesis 14, but he really seems to be this small character But what I would love for us to focus in on today's nugget of truth is how every aspect of the greater story of God is an intentional placement in his word for us and is useful for us to understand what God is trying to do. So as we jump back into Genesis 14, really we have kind of verses 17 through 20 that are focused on this Melchizedek individual. And then the rest of that section is kind of focusing on wrapping up his story. But those four verses display something very important about Abraham's understanding of who he was interacting with that day. When we look in that passage, we see that Abraham is blessed by this king. He says, "'Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth,' And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And so, this priest, this king, this individual is a representation of something much bigger for Abram and Abraham in this story. And when we look into the situation and what it's compared to, we can see Jesus' priestly functions are closer to that of Melchizedek than they are to that of the Levitical priesthood. And it's another way for this author to display the significance of Jesus and his greatness over the Old Testament realities that these people have been living in. But I think by going back to this situation and drawing from what's happening in what we might say is really this minor passage, it displays for us the need for us to understand the totality of the story of God, not just to jump to the New Testament. Testament. Not just to go to the passages that we find that encourage us the most, but to understand that we have to see everything as a part of the greater story of God and the way in which He's revealing Himself to all people. Because when we do that, we start to see the significance and we start to see the details of the story that heighten our understanding of who God is and how he desires to relate to man. So I hope this is an encouragement for you today that though our study is just walking through the New Testament, that that doesn't mean that we need to forget everything that's in the Old Testament. No, the Old Testament is there to allow us to enhance our understanding of what God is trying to do and to reveal in the New Testament. And the author of Hebrews. Bruce does a great job of drawing us to that importance. As far as a question for today, there are tons of legitimate questions that you could walk through in this section that would be very profitable for you to have a greater understanding of the priesthood, of who Melchizedek is, and how this situation is playing out. But for today, I'd like for us to just really focus in on one question, and that is, How can Jesus be a priest if Jesus comes from the line of Judah instead of the line of Levi? How is it that Jesus can be a priest if he's not part of the priestly family of God? It's a great question, and it's one that's important for us to understand, and that this passage as a whole is really speaking to. So if you look in verse 14, it says, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Jesus has a priesthood that is greater than the priesthood of Aaron or the tribe of Levi. And that is the priesthood of Melchizedek. And that's what it's trying to draw back to here. Because we know that Jesus has three functions. He first is a prophet, he is a priest, and he is a king. And he has all three of those roles that we see the significance of in the Old Testament. But some of those The kingly line is only from Judah, and the priestly line is only from Levi or Aaron in the Old Testament. But here we see that this priesthood that Jesus is a part of, that he is given this opportunity to be, is much in the same way that it was given to Melchizedek. That it is one for, look back in verse 3, without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. Some people have asked the question, hey, is Melchizedek Jesus in the Old Testament? I would say no, looking back at that verse, verse 3, you see it says, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. So this individual and his identity is in some way similar to that of Jesus, but he is different in terms of the way in which he is present, in the way in which he experiences life. We do know that Jesus had no beginning or end in terms of that, that he existed forever with the Father, much as we see there in verse 3, but we understand that. And in human terms, he had a mother, Mary, and he had a supposed father, Joseph, who was not truly his father as he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But we have some of those answers given to us. And so it would kind of be improper for us to read verse 3, see how that works out to write under the New Testament understanding of who Jesus is and to try to put that back in to have him being the same person as Melchizedek. But the priesthood is the same. He is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek in that same line of that priest. And so, like I said, when we started to focus here on this idea of a question from this passage, there are many questions that we can pull from it. There are many things that we can look into. And these are some of those things that are not necessarily the milk that we talked about several books ago, but they are the meat types of things. They are the things for those who are growing in their understanding, that are looking for those deeper layers, the greater morsels of truth that are found in the scriptures. And so, it is going to be, to find the answers that you're looking for, a much longer process of studying God's Word, at looking into it, at finding resources that help to explain those things, at engaging in conversations with others, so that you can arrive at the conclusions that give you the answers that you seek. And so while I would say that is a difficult thing to do, it is worth the journey for you to invest in, that you would greater understand the way in which God is revealing Himself to you through His Scripture. As you pursue do that today know you were loved. You-